0: Hard, okay John chapter 6 and we're gonna start in verse 25 John chapter 6 verse 25 it says then they asked him what oh no sorry 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 it flipped on me there we go when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him rabbi when did you get here Jesus answered very truly I tell you you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, your fill. Now, what had happened in the first part of John chapter 6 is Jesus had been meeting with his disciples and all of these other people started to gather around Jesus to the point where it was about 5,000 men, the Bible says. So they were looking for a way to feed them. And Philip said, there's no way we could feed them. It cost basically a half year's salary to feed all of these people. And one person spoke up and said hey but there's this boy's lunch and they took the boy's lunch gave it to Jesus Jesus breaks it and multiplies it and feeds these 5,000 men and their families I mean possibly 20,000 people Jesus fed with a young boy's lunch then the next thing you know Jesus sends them on the water to Capernaum he doesn't go with them, but they kind of get in the middle of the water and Jesus comes walking on the water and they see Jesus and they invite him into the boat because when you see Jesus walking on water and you're in a boat, you ask Jesus to come in your boat. And, and so they've kind of come to this point where they're in Capernaum. Jesus is with them. And these people who had been fed by Jesus are trying to find Jesus. They've been looking for Jesus. And it gets to this point, And they say this. They say, Jesus, how'd you get here? Jesus says, I tell you truly you're looking for me. But not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Isn't it amazing when you ask God a question, He gives you an answer you weren't asking? I wouldn't ask you anything about all of this stuff you're saying right now. I was just asking, how'd you get here? <laughs> but He goes on this talk, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed this seal of approval. Then they asked Him, What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Are you thankful that Jesus is the bread of life? He's the bread of life. So, Father, we thank you for these few moments we have. I pray that we would hear a word from you that would challenge us, encourage us, and change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. In John chapter 5, or chapter 6, verse 25 and 26, they've asked Jesus a question. Jesus begins to answer, and Jesus' answer is very unique. Matter of fact, Jesus doesn't necessarily even answer their question. They said, how did you get here? Jesus doesn't even answer the question. Because what Jesus is trying to do, sometimes when he forces situations in your life that cause you to ask questions, Jesus realizes that we don't usually ask the right question. And so they're asking him how he got here, and he begins to go into what they what they really need. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't just... He he doesn't throw at you what you want, but He actually is a God who gives you what you need. I'm thankful for that. And so God knows in this situation what they need to hear. And so He begins to say this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, you do not... You seek Me, but you're not seeking Me because of the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. What Jesus is saying is... Just like us, many times we become, just like they were, fixated on the product of Jesus and not the person of Jesus. They were trying to find Jesus, not to just be with Jesus, but to get some more bread. And I would say to you, there are a few people maybe even in this room today that are not here just to be with Jesus. They're here because of the product of Jesus. They're here because maybe Jesus will give me something. Maybe if I go to church, Jesus will give me something. Maybe if I go to church, I'll find my soulmate. Maybe if I go to church, Jesus will bless me. Maybe if I go to church, Jesus will feed me. Maybe if I go to church, God will do something for me. But God isn't really interested in just people who follow him for the sake of what he can do. God is interested in people who follow him for just who he is. Jesus is saying, don't follow me because I made your, your tummy full. Follow me because I filled your soul. Don't just follow me because I can do something about your finances. Follow me because before I ever do something about your finances, you just love me and want to be with me. I wonder if I'm in a church this morning that loves Jesus just because you love Jesus. Not because of the product of Jesus, but because of who Jesus is. And so. He turns and he says, hey, 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 it's, it's OK that you followed me over here. But what you need is not more bread. What you need is the bread of life. What you need is something that will really satisfy the greatest longing and desire of your soul. So Jesus didn't just come into the world to give us bread. Jesus came into the world to be our bread, to be our bread. And this whole situation lines up with something that happened in Exodus. They refer back to a scripture in Exodus, Exodus chapter 16, where Moses is with the people and they've cried out for food and God has responded and God is going to meet their need. He said, I'm going to give you quail and I'm going to give you bread from heaven and God begins to meet their needs and so they refer to it and then Jesus refers to it and He says, I am the bread of life and today I want to talk to you about what it looks like when God gives you bread. What it looks like when God gives you bread. Not just a loaf of Sarah Lee. I'm talking about what it looks like when God gives you bread from heaven. When God gives you bread. Bread literally just meaning provision. Jesus would be the ultimate provision. The provision not just for the hunger in our life, but for the hunger of our soul. For the longing desire that we have. For that 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 redemption that we needed. For salvation that we needed. Jesus would become, come on, the full provision for the payment that was necessary for you and I to be forgiven of our sins. So when God says, I've given you bread from heaven, literally saying, I've provided for you. And in Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, we see as God begins to give them bread from heaven and what that looks like, what it looks like when God gives us bread from heaven. Exodus chapter 16, verse 13 says, So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, listen to this, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance. Listen to what it said. It's as fine as frost on the ground. This is unbelievable. It says that the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round. You're not catching it. Why why is there dew in the wilderness? He says there's a dew, so supernaturally God is going to cause a wilderness area to be saturated with water. And once that water, that dew lifts, then this thing that looks like frost on the ground, which is actually bread, round substance, is going to be there. And when you look at scripture, water or dew is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Because what God is saying in this moment, God is saying to, to us, is that the bread follows the dew. In other words, you only get the bread after you experience His presence. Some people are like, why do you guys sing songs and then preach? Why don't you preach and then sing songs? I, you can do it. I go into classroom settings and I teach God's word very often without any type of music before. But I'm always, I'm always experiencing His presence before I'm delivering His word. So even if I showed up on a Sunday morning and you didn't play songs for me, I'm still able to get His word across because I've already been experiencing His presence. That's why we sing songs. So what we are trying to do is create an atmosphere. We're, tri- we're trying to create the dew so that when the dew comes and the dew is lifted, the word of God is revealed because you only get the bread after the dew. You only get the bread after the dew. The Holy Spirit is the harbinger of Jesus. And that word harbinger is... is I, I looked it up. It's not in my... It's not just like I just don't pull that out. I'm not let's talk to somebody. But yeah, the Holy Spirit is the harbinger of Jesus. Actually, I was looking up the word herald. And when I looked up the word herald the synonym for a synonym for herald was harbinger and the word harbinger is amazing because this is what the harbinger means it means a person that announces the approach of another so the holy spirit is the harbinger of jesus the holy spirit is constantly announcing that the presence of jesus is on its way you got to hear me because this is all throughout scripture this is why we so desperately need his presence This is why you should never go to a church that you don't feel the presence of God in. I don't care how good of a speaker the person is. If you don't feel the presence, run in the other direction because the word only follows the presence. You only get the bread after the dew comes. Come on. You got to hear me. And it's all through scripture. It's even in Genesis. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The earth was without form of void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And listen what happens. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then the Bible says, and then God said, Jesus is the voice of God. His word said, let there be light. So notice the spirit hovers before the word is spoken. You got you got to understand that there is a there is an order to this thing. That's why when you really need a word from God, you don't just go in your Bible and just just open it up and. Man, I need a word from God, you know, point me to a scripture. No, get in his presence. Get in his presence. And how do I get in his presence? I enter his presence with thanksgiving and I enter his courts with praise. How do I get before God? I tell him I'm thankful for what he's done and then I praise him I just tell him how amazing he is I tell him how awesome he is he invites me into his presence and in his presence is everything I need there's joy there there's a word there there's healing there there's deliverance there what we've done is we've been trying to get the word without his presence and so what happens is we get a form of godliness that has no power and God is saying if my church wants the power that's associated with my word, you got to get back to my presence. You can't get upset if we go 45 minutes in worship. You can't get upset if we sing five songs instead of three songs. You can't get upset if we just go a little bit longer. You can't get all upset if somebody goes to run in the presence of Jesus. You can't get upset if somebody lifts their voice and shouts a little bit. You can't get upset if somebody acts like God is in the building. And that's what I'm after this morning. And that's why the enemy was fighting me so hard in first service. Because he knew I was after something that it's not that this church has been missing, it's that this church is almost willing at some points to walk away from because we've got talented singers, we've got talented worship musicians, you've got a talented preacher. Come on, somebody. And what happens? is listen, we could do church without his presence on the talent of people. But I didn't come this morning because I wanna see somebody's talent. I came today because I wanna experience the presence of Jesus. I didn't come to watch somebody do some fancy lick on a guitar. I came because I wanna experience the presence of God that really changes me and really changes you. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. You sit back down. You keep being nice. No, forget that. Forget cute in church anymore. Forget nice in church anymore. Forget make sure my hair stays in place anymore. I'm I I was I was in I had an encounter with God this weekend. I don't know if you can tell, and I. I I was in this encounter with the Lord and I was saying God was urgently, urgently putting this burden on my life to go after him like never before. Not in the sense that I was going after him to get something, but in the sense that I was going after him because time is short and there is not a lot of life to really go hard after God. There is just not a lot of, we just don't have enough time left. Some of us aren't promised very long. Some of us might not make it to next week. Some of us might not be here next year. Some people in this room, this might be the last service they ever attend. And I told our staff, I tell our staff all the time, listen, there is somebody coming this weekend whose life is on the line. And when your life is on the line, you come in with an urgency and an expectancy. But sometimes we become so casual with God's presence that we just come in. I don't need anything this week, so I'll half-heartedly worship. I'll half-heartedly listen. And no wonder you're getting a half-hearted life because the Bible says, Cursed is the man who does the work of the Lord half-heartedly. God doesn't curse you. You curse yourself by not putting the effort in. And if you want something from God you got to come expecting God to do something. And one of the things that happens when you go to a church that has great music and good preaching, can I say that? And great music, I just said good preaching, I didn't say great preaching, but you have great music and good preaching, one of the things that happens is you get comfortable and you come to expect that every week instead of bringing the fire yourself. I shouldn't have to ask you to respond. You should come with a response already in your mouth. I shouldn't have to light a fire. You should come to church on fire. The the level of the presence of God we experience on a Sunday, it's not up to the worship team and it's not up to me. It's up to you. It's really up to you because when we come together, we are experiencing the collection of all of our relationships with God. And if there's a fire over here and there's a fire over here, then sometimes those fires are just burning on their own. But if everybody comes in on fire and your fire hits my fire and their fire, and then this place explodes. I was was told after first service, I was told that sometimes in a fire, the conditions get right, so right, that literally without any kind of, uh, uh, what would you call it, uh, accelerant. Without any accelerant, the fire just blows up. The moisture, the (laughs) all of it, all of it gets (laughs) it's a weird word. The it all comes together, and all of these things, I don't know. I'm not a fireman. I'm just saying that what happens is these fires come together and the conditions get right, and the fire just explodes. Can I tell you that God is just waiting on his people for their condition, the condition of their heart to get right, and this thing would literally explode for God. I'm not satisfied with a couple visitors and a couple salvations every week. I'm not satisfied with some parking problems and two services. I'm not satisfied with that. If you're satisfied with that, then this isn't the church for you because it's only going to get more crowded. It's only going to get more congested. It's only going to get more crazy. There's only going to be more different people. There's only going to be more black people, more white people, more historians. Hispanic people, if you don't like it now, you should leave now, because it's just about to get crazier than it's ever been before. All right. Bless him, bless him, Lord, bless him, Lord, bless him, bless him, Lord. So the do, it's a type of the Holy Spirit. The, the the Spirit of God is already always declaring the presence of Jesus. He's a forerunner for Jesus. John the Baptist, full of the Spirit of God, got full of the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost in the womb of his mom. Elizabeth, she met Mary, and they were both pregnant, and the Bible says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped, got filled with the Holy Ghost and leaped. I'm telling you, If you got the Holy Ghost, you can't just stand still. Even a baby knows I got to respond when the Holy Spirit touches me. Mature Christians, I feel, I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. Isn't He nice? Isn't Jesus so nice? He just okay. I got I got to move on. I got to move on. J- Jesus, John 15:26 he said when the advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, he says whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who goes back out from the Father, he will testify of me. So the Holy Spirit will constantly be preparing, be shouting, be declaring Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That just just to hear that statement excites me. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He's constantly telling, Jesus is coming. In your situation, Jesus is coming. In your problem, Jesus is coming. Jesus, He is the seal. He is the guarantor. He is, He, He, He is. He is the idea that whatever God promised, He will bring it to pass. The Holy Spirit, it's constantly saying Jesus is coming, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to turn around. You got to know Jesus is coming. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, is the is the person in us who causes us to even cry out, "Abba, Father." It's the part of us. It's the God in us that tells us we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit. It's the declare of Jesus, Exodus chapter sixteen and verse fourteen. Is so, so when the layer of dew lifted and there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost in the ground, when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, "What is it?" They said, "The word they said there was manna. Manna just means what is it? It's not a brand name for bread. <laughs> it's uh, they just what is it? For they did not know what it was." Moses said to them this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat one of the things you got to know is that when when God gives you bread from heaven is that it doesn't look like what you want but it's exactly what you need it doesn't look like what you want but it's exactly what you need and maybe the thing you've been looking for is right in front of you but it doesn't look like provision So maybe you've been looking for the normal types of provision. Maybe you've been looking for a new job. But God's saying, if you'll dig into this job, I've provided promotion here. You're like, I need a new job. And God's like, no, you just need to be grateful for this job. Take this one seriously. Stop complaining about this one I gave you every day. Five years ago, this was the greatest job opportunity you ever got. Five years later, you're complaining. And he's like, manna is on the ground. We're constantly looking for God to do what we want in the form that we want it to look like. And God is constantly sending us stuff that doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. You need to look at your neighbor and say, it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. God is constantly God is constantly doing this. When Jesus comes on the scene, the Bible tells us that he went to his own and his own received him not. Matter of fact, they looked at Jesus and Matthew and said, I've never seen anybody, met anybody that preaches with this kind of authority. This is amazing, but isn't he the son of a carpenter? Isn't he from Nazareth? Didn't we grow up with this guy? And so the Bible says they despised him and rejected him because they had become too familiar with With him, and they expected him to look like something they weren't looking at. We know Messiah is coming, but he's not supposed to be the guy we hang out with. I, I know my deliverer is coming, but it's not supposed to be Jesus. I mean, that's James's brother. That's Mary's son. He puts tables together. How in the world can this guy be the son of God? Can I tell you, very often you walk around your deliverer going to something that you think is your deliverer. I see it in church all the time. I see it in church. People make a beeline to come shake my hand and they're walking around people to get to me. When God stuck your provision in front of you, I'll probably just shake your hand and say, bless you. But if you would connect to the people that you're going to church with, if you stop sitting in your home all week and just showing up on a Sunday morning, But you would start reaching out and building relationships. You would find out that God brings you in a church and he puts manna all around you. He puts people that don't look like you, people that don't come from where you're from, people that don't have the resources you have. But in this place, in this place, from the most unlikely sources can come the most unbelievable God type of provision. (laughs) I've needed something in my life, and I've stopped in the hallway to just shake hands, and I've found that God meets my need in somebody I never thought I would probably ever speak to or meet. You you come to church every week, and there's manna all around you, and you go home. Because it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. You want God to throw a check in the mail and deliver it to your address. And God's saying, I've already delivered it. It's in that neighbor who doesn't have the same skin color as you. It's in that person who doesn't have the same economic bracket as you. Do you realize I have watched poor people meet the needs of rich people in this congregation? Why? Because even if you got money, you still got problems. Matter of fact, more money, more problems. And sometimes you need some broke person to just come up to you and say, you know what? I ain't got a lot of money, but I ain't got your issues either. You crazy. I ain't got no money, but I ain't on those pills like you. So let me pray for you. I've seen it. You might be sitting next to Manna. You're like, I need a, I need a new. God's like, I've sat it beside you for weeks and you won't talk to it. Exodus 16, 14 through 15. So the layer of dew filled there on the surface of the wilderness, small round substance, fine as frost on the ground. They saw it. They said to one another, what is it? They did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is bread, which the Lord God has given you to eat. Shouldn't it be obvious? But it's so foreign to them that Moses has to say, this is the provision. That's what God does. Exodus 16 and 16. So listen, so this thing, this is the thing that the Lord commanded. This is what he says. He says, let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. The NIV says this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. First thing you've got to see here is the bread didn't fall in their mouths. It fell on the ground. Most people sit in church like this. And some people listening to me through the, through the, the website right now, they're sitting on their couch like this. And I'm throwing bread out. God says, it's not going to land in your mouth. It's going to land on the ground. So he says, everyone is to gather as much as they need. Most people, they, they get mad because they think God's doing something for someone else that he's not doing for them. Can I tell you, it's not that God isn't blessing you. It's that you're not gathering. It's not that rain isn't falling. It's not that God isn't pouring out blessing. It's that you're not gathering. Some people, when it rains, they go and build a well. Some people, when it rains, they go take a cup outside. Who do you think is going to have more water and more water long term? It's the person who builds the well. Because you gather according to what you need. And most people come to church and they don't get what they need because they're waiting for it to be thrown in their mouth when God is saying, You're grown up. You need to get on the ground and pick up what I've put on the ground for you. It's going to take a little bit of effort. You say, I thought the Bible was against effort. Where'd you hear that from? The Bible said we're not worked, we don't do work for salvation. But it goes on to tell us that once we have been saved, There is a faith that is without works that is dead. In other words, if faith doesn't work, it's dead. And a faith that doesn't work won't work. Like the Bible says, but I thought Jesus, he would supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But the Bible also says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Stop pulling scripture out of context. To build an image of God that you want him to be in your own mind. Where he's some Santa Claus. He's some cosmic Santa Claus. Who you just write a wish list to and you throw it up there. Where's my stuff, God? He's like, I gave you Jesus. I gave you the Holy Spirit. Now get to work. You won't gather it. I'm pouring it out. You won't gather it. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm over my finances. God won't do anything with my finances. He won't bless me. I'm, are you tithing? Then you're not gathering. That's hard. That's hard. And that's not legalism because you can, you can go to heaven and never tithe in your life. But if you want to participate and get connected to the financial outpouring that God has for your life you got to give. You can't declare I'm going to reap a harvest on a field I've never sown a seed in. And God said, if you want the windows to be open, I'm I'm ready. I've got the blessing. It's not about whether or not I have the blessing. It's whether or not will you will you gather what I send? God, I need a new house. Well, that's nice, but why aren't you serving in my house? Just like you promised David, if you'll build my house, I'll make sure that your house is built. And God just said, amen, Robbie, with that. He said, amen, amen. Hmm. So it's not that God isn't blessing. It's that you're not gathering. You ha- and again, you have to leave the tent to get the bread. A lot of people they just sit sit in their tent watching Comcast. Would you see Sally's bread? Sally's got new bread. We've got a used bread. It's 1995 bread. It's a Honda. Sally got new Lexus bread. <laughs> see, they got a five bedroom house. We got five. We got three. We got three bedroom bread. And you just sit there complaining. And Sally's like. Sally's out in the yard just gathering. And you're in there complaining and whining and living offended. (laughs) Poor me, woe is me. And it's like the same bread has fallen for everybody. Would you just leave your tent, stop talking about everybody and go gather? He said because they gathered according to their need. They gathered according to their need. I remember Josh Carter preached a message a year or so ago. And he used a, a, a reference. I can't remember what version it was in. But he said that they gathered according uh, to, their, to their hunger. Or they, they, they ate according to their hunger. And in other words, what God is saying is, if you're not hungry for me, you can't be filled. If you're not thirsty for me, you can't be filled. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm pouring out the blessing. Are you gathering? Are you just complaining? They got a promotion. They got married. When am I gonna find somebody? I'm gonna go on the bachelor. I'm going to make out with the same guy that 30 other people have made out with. Awesome. Nothing shows the desperation of a generation like the shows they consume. I'll just, uh, I'll just jump back in this word. Exodus 16, 19 through 21, Moses said, let no one leave any of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms and it stank. I'm like, God, I didn't know you're from the hood. He says, stank. I love that. Wow. Put some stank on it. I mean, <laughs> stank face. You know, I, I, and it stank. you gotta read the Bible like that it's fun and Moses was angry with him so they gathered it every morning every man according to his need when the sun became hot it melted didn't fall in their mouths didn't look like what they wanted it to look like and it was daily it was daily Matthew Jesus says when he's teaching them to pray give us this day our daily bread some folks in here even myself there were moments in my life where I've had major God encounters and I love those moments but if I get if I stay in those moments then I'll rot and I'll stink and my faith will look nasty will, it'll just get old, it'll get stale, it'll get crumbly, but in order for me to stay fresh, I have to eat fresh what God is doing and sending every day into my life. That's why we have to follow Jesus daily. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you have to follow him daily. It cannot be this, I'll go to church on Sundays, and I'll get fired up, you've got to follow the Lord daily. You have to be able to experience God on Tuesday night at 11.30 p.m. when all hell is breaking loose in your life just like you can on a Sunday morning when the songs are being played and the people are around. You have to be able to encounter God on Tuesday night just as well as you can on Tuesday morning. And you can because He gives you daily bread. He gives you exactly what you need for that day. But if you don't ask Him for it, and you just think, I'll just, I'm good today. I don't need to pray, read my Bible. I'll just kind of continue on what happened Sunday. Then no wonder you come to church drained all the time. No wonder you want to give up all the time because you're eating old bread and old bread will kill you. I mean, you've had some old bread and you pulled it out and you started to make a sandwich and you were like, you saw that stuff on it, mold and you're like, nope. no, man we make sandwiches with old moves of God every day back in 85 God was really moving Woo. You remember back in the 90's when God was doing the revival was being poured out in Toronto it swept the east coast and Brownsville happened people were like man I miss, I miss Brownsville man I miss, I miss the good old days I miss when God was really doing something miss when God's presence was really moving into church I miss Calvary when they had that cross up on the wall you know those were the good old days at Calvary church I miss it when they wore suits on Sunday there's just something special about those suits can I say something to you God doesn't anoint stuff he anoints people and some people are like man i I'd really love that church if they played more of this song or they played more of that song or they played this style of music. Can I say to you, God doesn't anoint songs. He anoints people. What you feel when you feel that, when you hear that song is nostalgia. You connect that song to a moment. You can get a goosebump listening to how great thou art, how great thou art, and you can get a feeling listening to sexual healing. You can... Because it brings back a memory But don't confuse A memory and nostalgia With the anointing The anointing is not in this microphone The anointing is not in this light this morning This light can't do a thing It just shines on stuff It's not important, it's not special We just put it up on the stage because I'm so pale They need some other light up here It is not special You know what is anointing? You know what is anointed? You I'm anointed Matter of fact, John said, the anointing abides within. Yeah. If you want the yoke broken off of your life, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. If you want something broken off of your life, you don't need me to preach a good message. You need to just pull from the anointing that's already on the inside of you. And break that thing off of your life with the anointing that God has already given you. Somebody give God some